Hello and welcome to So Farscape. A fun-filled Farscape fan cast by a fervent fan. And a frankly fascinated first-timer. I'm Kaki. I'm Kay. And, and this, this is The Story So, so Farscape. Farscape. Yes, thank you for joining us for another episode of the regular So Farscape, episode 416, bringing home the beacon. Girls' Night! Girls', girls night. night! Finally! Although there's not much Girls' Night, at least not ex- exclusively Girls' Night, as I was led to believe, but... What do you mean? That's uh, most- it was mostly the girls, but, you know, there's plenty of other folks on the ship as well. So. Look, even yeah. in Girls' Night, there can be a few boys no, along. No, it's I get totally that. Yeah, no, I get that. But you know, considering the, the circumstances uh, for what this happened, I was I was expecting a more, you know, just the girls episode. Like, Yeah, I get what you mean, because the previous episode, Mental as Anything, was yeah. just a boys' night and sort of dealing with boys' things. Mm. And this was a much grander adventure. Right, much more... Plot development, much more, yeah. Yeah, yeah. World building, I suppose, in a way, even. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, doing some fancy dress-up as well. Oh, yes. that's Yes, that's actually one of my things. Speaking of which, yeah. I'm about to do the worst intro that we've ever done and interrupt it by taking off my headphones and walking away from the microphone. You stay okay. right there. Well, well. No, this is still part of it. You keep the audience is, entertained while I'm I will keep the away. audience entertained. Okay. I am now waiting here, sitting here, in, all by me onesie, waiting for a khaki. Because he, he, he left earlier and he forgot some, to bring something. Yeah. And then he decided, like, oh, am I going to go get it? And it's a, it's a big paper bag, a very noisy paper bag, as you very might be able to hear in the background. I hope you like the ASMR. <laughs> okay, putting my headphones back, back on. In, and he is back. So, okay. what did you... What do you have in your basket, Juan? <laughs> Jose. <laughs> Jose has been to the market. Unas papas, unas peperas, unas paqueras, papuras, peperas. Okay, and nobody will have no, any No, absolutely idea. not, unless you've watched Creative with Kirk, met Kirk, even, yeah, that was, so, sombreros. Sombreros, Juan. <laughs> I've got something for you. Oh, do tell. So, our friend Greg whom we have had on the show during one of our greatest hiatus when we were watching Titan AE. Mm-hmm. And I did Star Wars Rebels, or uh, Rebel Air. was also Rebels with podcast. us for, what was it? One of the movies, um, one of the greatest. Yes, we, we joined him on, uh, on his show. Doing, oh, that was uh, it, yes. Uh, was it Solo? What was the other one? Rogue One. Mm. We did, yes. Okay. A long, long time ago, around the time that he and I started the Star Wars Rebels podcast, Rebel Air, two things happened. I sort of talked him into a purchase that he was very tempted to, but maybe he would have otherwise... Not um, done it. Yeah, exactly. Be more sensible about it, yes. Be more sensible about it. And I, I sort of... Okay, I, I mollified that, that whole situation by saying, okay, tell you what, I'll trade you for it. Okay. In due time. And what I traded him for was a podcasting microphone that he badly needed. Oh, yes. And that I sent him ahead of time so that we could do this podcast where he mm. sounded great. Oh, great. And, you know, a, a, a pandemic later, it has finally arrived, and I have for you... Close your eyes. Okay, eyes closed. Close your eyes. This is great ASMR. Okay, okay yes, hold I'm, out your hands. I'm, I'm excited. Wider. Okay. E- closer. And there you go. <laughs> okay. So, oh, oh, okay. Um, yeah, have a... Is it? What do you think? I, I think I know what it is. You think you know I what it is? It. Okay, what, is describe it, what you're feeling. It's, it's Okay, it's cloth, it's material, leather, maybe... Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if it's real leather. I don't think so. But is it a peacekeeper jacket, cloak? Uh, Only one way to find out. Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, it's great. It's a fantastic Look at that. red leather material-like vest with black. Oh, yes. It's the season two, is this? 
When yeah. yeah. He's still wearing well, it, He's actually. still wearing it. So it's John's jacket. Oh, my God. That's it's John's cool. excellent leather vest. It's it is got the... Uh, Gorgeous. Lovely maroon leather and black leather. Indeed. I, I think it is indeed synthetic leather. It probably is. I think so. It's hard to feel, but it's, it's like... It's got a, a lovely lining on the it inside. It does, yeah. Very soft and... Clippy buckles. Gorgeous. Yes. I oh, don't. wow. This is fantastic. Oh, yeah, okay. I know. No, my I've, turn to take off. Like, this yeah, is, exactly. I've already made it so bad, so this is, this is not a... a a, I'm a not. We- I'm not wearing the right kind of underclothes for this, but <laughs> I thought. I think you're supposed to wear a black t-shirt, yeah, right? Okay, so I'm wearing a b- dark blue jumper. <laughs> oh, but it still looks fantastic oh, yeah. on you. It does. I mean, it oh my god, that really fits you well. It's a little bit looser than I thought, uh, would like to. Well, it's supposed to be uh, worn open, isn't I it? Oh, I guess so. I mean, yeah, he usually wears it open. Right. So yeah. Oh, that looks fantastic. Uh, Great. All right. Oh, uh, I have, I'm going to turn your microphone so that you can yeah, actually, so I can actually, actually talk be into it. heard. Yes. Yeah, exactly, because uh, okay. we're not done yet. Stay Ooh. standing. Oh, yeah. my. Oh, dear. <laughs> and what's this? Oh, it's the overcoat that goes with it? Yes, it is, oh, baby. <laughs> oh, my. It's, again, a beautiful leather, long leather-sleeved coat black cloth. Yeah, I love how heavy the cloth is. Yeah. Like, this is an really excellent nice. sort of replica. It Gorgeous was... metal buckles. Which oh, are... that's how you close them. Uh, you were wondering, had you, I was one... have you been I fiddling like... with them? How to I have, have been fiddling with the buckles a little bit. <laughs> they, are, they are very cu- curious, like, it's almost like a puzzle buckle, but it's not a very difficult puzzle, but so I guess, yeah, you now have to hang, hand it open, hang it open. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And... Otherwise you don't get the sort of swish and swirl yes, that everybody loves. Not. Oh, it's gorgeous. It has, uh... Now I just need to find an occasion to wear something like this. Oh, I've always loved how the collar of the vest sticks up out of the collar of the... Like, the coat, right. the overcoat doesn't itself have a, a collar. No, it's the vest that has the collar. Uh, it's such has a great collar. combination. Yes. It just needs one more thing. Oh, no. <laughs> what is this? Oh, my God. It's Winona. It's Winona. Winona. In a, in a nice holster. In a very nice. Oh, gorgeous. It's a nice resin cast. It was uh, it was transported, obviously, yeah, peace bonded so. with proper tape because uh, right. our friend Greg is a... It's, I guess this is like he... Cosplayer. Uh, he wore this at a uh, con or something. Where he t- did. Where, where you have to have it checked by the con staff and the security. Yeah. yeah so this, I, this model is just a pure, straight-up cast like they used on the show itself. No moving parts. It's very nice. I mean, I don't think the show did a lot of those. They didn't, did they have hero props for uh, Wynonna? Or is it always just, just the same... Some of them would be uh, cast in metal just for weight and heft. Right. And the other ones would be rubber, or, you know, something more... Rubber uh, is the more traditional cast or resin is what they usually cast the gener- general props with. But they were always the same. So okay. only only some fan-made versions had, like, lights in them or whatever. And this is then, the like, the season two or season three um, uh-huh. version of the holster that indeed buckles. Because mm-hmm. uh, in season one, they had this thing where, like, they didn't really have a holster so much as like a plate on the thigh yeah. that they could clip it into but that okay. was super painful to fall on and they do a lot of fall on them is uh, Greg a lefty? oh I don't know because I noticed that the the gun was in the holster as if it were to, would, would be worn on the left side oh oh <laughs> <laughs> it's these little things that uh, okay. I'm, I'm trying. Well, I'm, I'm just really trying to strap it on now. So as a so. train. Oh, you and your strap-ons. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I was half thinking. Like, don't you own a pair of black leather trousers? I do. I do. Which would finish this, like <laughs> this, and a t-shirt. I almost, I almost thought about like teasing you beforehand. Like, hey, by the way, no reason. Wear your, but, wear your leather pants. <laughs> yeah, which. 
would not be the weirdest thing I've asked you to do for oh, one of these recordings. No, absolutely not. I but it probably would have given the game away a little might bit. might have a little bit. It's just like, okay, so you kind of have to strap it so, like, oh, this is going to fall off anyway, even if I strap this in. So this is... How do you mean? Oh, oh, no. oh, I see what you mean. My thunder thighs are not suited for this kind of... Uh... Isn't, it, isn't it supposed to have, like, a belt strap as well? Oh, it, it does, in fact. Yes, it does. Yeah, so, so that uh, one goes through the belt. Right, that makes, more, that makes a lot more sense, yeah. Uh, so I will I'm, to, I'm taking some photos, right? Because this is just. I'm going to have to like yes, uh, dress yeah. up properly, dress up <laughs> properly for this, so you can take a few shots, and oh. then uh, we can have a few glamour shots accompanying the the podcast when it uh, comes out. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I could easily wear some. It's so cool. It is fantastic. This oh, is like I'm so envious. exciting! And now we need to find a find an occasion for this to me to wear this. I mean, we record a Farscape podcast, so you know. I know, but that's like a, it's, it's a podcast. It's not a video cast or anything. So people, <laughs> I would die in this if I had to wear this for the entire podcast. I know podcast. it's finally getting I'd... warm again. <laughs> oh, maybe we should. Oh, maybe we should call call Gigi again and see if we can do. Oh yes, that would right? be a good idea. Yeah. Oh, now I've got to get something matching. Now I've got to get like his his geeky Ayasa outfit. <laughs> And actually wear khaki, being true to my name. Wear a football helmet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow, this is, like, so cool. So, yeah, this is, this is another example of how, how amazing our, our beloved Listen listeners are. Yes. Oh, man, well, now we'd really have to go to a con where there is, like, a... Oh, my God. Where there is, like, some of the cast there... <laughs> And we really have to look on the on the old calendar to see what we can see what we can finagle there. Yeah, as long as it's not too far in far away in Europe somewhere. I know we are kind of on the wrong. Well, one of the wrong continents because I think right. I mean that's Comic Con. I mean, where there's a European Comic, there's a Comic Con here in the Netherlands, isn't there? I mean, who knows? Yeah. They might occasionally. I, mean, I have no idea. Well, there are websites where you can track like appearances of various. I'm, actors. So, I'm so not surprised. <laughs> so, so, who would you prefer to see? If that, because. They rarely show up, like, more than one. No, yeah, that makes uh, sense. Uh, so who's your favourite child? Who's the favourite of your various... Which which parent is your favourite? Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I, I mean, let's see. Whom would I prefer to see? I think Claudia Black is probably my favourite. Yeah, she's, like, right yeah, up there, isn't yeah, she? Yeah, she's, she's probably... Just, oh, goddess. Uh, I mean, Gigi would be nice to run into. Ben Browder, yeah. too. I guess Ben Browder... I wonder how much he gets, like, for, for, for Farscape and how much he gets for his, like, appearances in Guardians of the Galaxy and other, oh, know, yeah, other, other stuff that Stargate. he's done. Stargate. The yeah. seasons, yeah. What, where, what has a bigger fan base for him? Uh, that's an interesting question. No idea how that would work. But, oh, I, man. I this think is... she doesn't do the circuit anymore, but I would have loved to hang out with the Virginia Hay. Oh, yes. Because she seems just, like... Good so fun. so chill, yes. <laughs> and of course, Anthony Simcoe. But I believe he's a motivational speaker. You told me at some point this day. Yes, he's like a he's like a coach and a, and a, and a manager, and he's uh-huh. also quite active on the social medias. Oh, okay. I think any of them. Yes, I mean it would be great. So yes, oh wow, we're already like this is going to be a long one, isn't it? <laughs> because we still haven't talked about the episode itself yet. Actually. Oh yes, of course. Well, let's see what our listeners have to say about this episode, which I'm actually quite curious about. Marky C says, The girls' shopping trip quickly goes to Dren when they stumble upon a secret meeting. An assassination attempt turns to a hasty retreat. One of the crew is left not feeling quite themselves, and why won't anyone tell us where the baby is? Ooh. I actually don't have the next one on my screen oh, because well, I'm, I'm, I'm looking I'll something do, up. I'll do the next one as well then. The girls' shopping trip quickly goes to Dren... Oh, wait, this is the same thing, one twice. 
Never mind. Is it? Yes. Okay, well, I'm doing great with the Airtable then. <laughs> Apologies for that, because I was trying to find... Oh, no, it's not working for me. I was trying to find... I think it was Mystery Tour 7 sent a, a synopsis for an earlier episode. Oh. That probably was originally for this one, because you would talk about that oh, Gianna think- and Naranti having a gay off. Do oh, you remember that right. one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, well... Hopefully I'll, uh, I'll eventually find that and pop it in the show notes. But in the meantime, while the boys are off at camp, the girls go shopping to buy Moya a disguise. Their expedition takes them to a black market trading outpost. Unfortunately, it also happens to be where the peacekeepers have arranged a clandestine summit with the Scarens, whose duplicity catches more than just Grazer off guard. Yes. So the show opens with a little recap, basically stating where everything has been going recently. The reference to the baby and that Scorpius will use that against John to get the information that they're after. And that Grazer is not after Earth. And yep. that's... Grazer and, what's his name again? Uh, Bracca. Bracca, thank you, are onto something as well and working together. Yes, they together. have a meeting with the Scarens. Yes, they have a meeting. And that's, Bracca is actually loyal to Scorpius. Yes, we mm-hmm. know that. Which didn't come up. Grazer, really. no, it didn't. Hmm. Rigel is not feeling himself. I'm learning self-discipline that Katoya taught me. Besides, none of you can cook. But I think he just doesn't want to cook for himself, and nobody else is doing it. (laughs) Just kind of grumpy. They're awaiting the return of the girls, because all the boys have come back from mentalist camp. Yes. But the girls are on a dead leviathan that's been fused with a planetoid to serve as a commerce output. Right. Which is because this episode was originally written to take place on a relaxation planet. Okay. But there was a production sort of crunch, probably some some Uh. sets needed to be built for later episodes. And so there was rehashed to, you know, if we do it on a Leviathan, then we could just re- Redress right. Moya's set that exists. Uh, I guess Ra- Raja was booked by the Star Trek The Next Generation. Uh, Wait, at that... what? Isn't that Raiga? Isn't that the site? Oh, Rigel. Yes, oh, no. Rigel. No, 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 Raiza. You're Raiza, right. not Raiza. Yeah. <laughs> Stuck in front. Yes, the, the, the sort of Californian... 50-something Hollywood writer's idea of a vacation. Yes. Which, which is, is basically a cruise without the ship. Yeah, it's uh, and, and lots of and lots of sluts, eh? Uh, well, uh, yeah, yeah. I uh, dig Sikozu's uh, hair, which is back to being tied up in little, in little bunches again. Yes, I always like her Sputnik hair. She looks yes. like a. Although she, she seems to be growing it out a little because those those nodules seem to be slightly larger than they were in. Oh, I see what in, you mean. In the past, she's got a bit of a pufferfish look about her now. I suppose yes. To go to go with those uh, scales on her cheeks. But yes, we are. We have a another typical commerce planet type setting. You know, dark. Archways, alleys, and yeah, lots of haze, lots and of green. light. Yes, it's, it could be any of the commerce planets we've seen before, or the planet of the dead, or the 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 body of the Budong. Oh, yeah. It's like it's all a little bit dressed up like that, so yeah, it's instantly exactly. recognizable as bustling marketplace. Market, exactly. I love a space market. Yes, and, and, and seeing Naranti like walking around, <laughs> judging all the wares, but she's much less forgiving or enthusiastic than than Zan. Like, I notice, yeah. <laughs> Hundred percent natural, my Tullum. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. Yes. <laughs> and and I did notice that Noranti seemed different her behaviour this yeah. time round. Yes. Less weird and mysterious, even a little bit anxious at certain points where she normally doesn't seem to do that. She seemed to be less flighty, I I would almost call it. She's always like flittering yeah, off and doing things. And she she seemed a little bit more together, but also a little less. 
So she's had a lot of times where she's a lot more detached from the the, the plot that's mm. happening, and here she's really grounded. Yes, in in everything that's happening, and she she understands the stakes and she cares about them. Right, which is unlike Naranti. Uh, <laughs> she has her phases. Mm. Right? I've sort of given up on teasing you with the idea that maybe there's a huge strategy <laughs> yeah. there. Like, well, it's it's starting to like become more of a, like, yeah. It's unless just, there's a pattern you're recognizing. Just weirdo. <laughs> is there a pattern? I don't know if there is. Uh, so, there yes, they, they go to like some sort of bar where there's like this barker kind of dude out in front trying to talk to them. And He's a little bit sleazy. He is a little bit sleazy. He looks a bit like... He's got a little bit of Han Solo in him. Uh, oh, yeah, he looks like Han Solo if he took up accounting as a career instead right, of... and let his, hair grow, let his hair grow out a little bit. Eh, and Sokozu is, yeah, basically trying to talk to, talk him into, like, letting them in and dealing with them. Like, he's, like, being really circumspect about the whole matter. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm just a barker for a bar. Yes, like, it's no exactly. big deal. I'm just one of those, those sluts that yeah, you hear about. Yeah, and I just, and they, we, we, we want to buy. We know you sell the stuff and... Yeah, and we know you work for Rekka. Uh, okay, I didn't catch that part. But yes, he uh, leads them to a private booth, first drinks on the house. Don't drink them. They're drunk. Right, yes. After she's taken quite a swallow. I mean, we've known. She's, she's the person who tastes the, the sleeping potions, you know? It's like... Yeah, know. That, Her tolerance is extraordinary. Be, yes. It's... Because uh, they're establishing actually, themselves yeah. as, as players. Yes. Not to be underestimated, not to be insulted. Mm-hmm. We come here to do business. We know what we're talking about. So dispense with all these pleasantries. Don't fake us out. Yeah. Which I think, like, lands really well. Like, by the time that they've actually done this this deal, these guys are quite sleazy. They hold up their end of the bargain. Yes, they do. That that sleaze, to a large part, is an, is, is an act. Even to the point that they pull a gun on Chiana at the end, thinking that she's an, an interloper. Right. Because they would have protected their client's ship for yes, her. Yes, because, yes, they have a little weird act together. It's like, so he gets yeah. the... He gets the other guy involved, and they t- they, they talk a little bit about the what they want. Hair. They basically want like a cloak. Oh, you mean the like the pointy hair that's Krusty the Clown type? Oh, god, yes, Krusty the Clown or like the boss from Ghost in the Shell. Like, oh, yes, bald on top, side hair sticking way out. Yes, it's like like. Twelve and a half percent of a a, a a perm or an afro, you know, like imagine if you took like an actual hedge trimmers to Bob Ross and just went nuts. And, <laughs> wow! Yes, and gave him a reverse high fade. That's what I'm talking about. Mm. There's a little bit of negotiation. What they want is a cloaking device, I suppose. We need a sensor distorter for our ship to fool long range scans. So not a cloaking device, but a camouflage. And there's a, there's a good bit it's where... It's dazzle they, painting for of Leviathans. Well, to make it, to give it essentially sort of the radar signature on yes. a different ship. But of course you need to match the flight characteristics. And is your pilot good enough for that? Yes. No. Okay, well, your problem. <laughs> yeah, not my problem. I'm just here to... But yes, so there's this little weird exchange because they have to, they need some part of Moya. Your modulator. Oh, that's what it was. Yes. And... Then they Sensor ask, modulator, that's the one that was. And then they ask about it, like, okay, so like, how long is it going to take? Oh, four arms. Like, oh, no, that's far too long. We'll leave Moya half blind. And I'm it's like, you've already got it here. She's like, all the time it took you to get here. It was probably more than four arms. Yeah. Why are you making such a fuss about this? Oh, no, no, that's not fast enough. We need it faster. We're leaving, we, we, we will leave Moya half blind for that period while they're sitting there with that thing already in their hand, not in Moya. So I think it's part of the negotiation, maybe. I mean, right? Yeah, but that would still require those other people the, to be the stupid. The dudes are going to say they need more money than they actually need, and they're going to say they need more time than they actually uh, need. Oh, just uh, pull, pull a uh, Scotty on them. 
Yeah, yeah. So I think they're trying to put some pressure, but it turns out four irons really is four irons. But no. the price is a bit negotiable. Right. They want eighteen, nineteen thousand, whatevers. How about I offer you some complimentary choices? Would that lower your price? Thirty thousand. <laughs> <laughs> And he's very insulting, is Rekka, when he uh, yes. looks at Naranti. And if it's that, 40,000. <laughs> and Naranti, like, doesn't blink. She just sort of puts R- her hand rude. back on the module. <laughs> Be nice. Yeah. Or we leave. <laughs> and Erin closes the deal. She's just like 16. 16 and half up front. Which seems to be, yeah, amenable. That closes, yeah. Which they actually seem to be very pleased about, that they got it for only 16. 16,000 printers, not bad. Not bad at all. They would have paid 19 later. Yeah. There's a little bit of an exchange when they're, like, walking and talking, and it's like, oh, 16, good Harris. deal, yeah. Yeah, not bad. <laughs> They've asked Chiana to keep an eye on Rekka, I mean Han Solo, essentially. Yes. And as Sikozu and Aaron are walking through what is essentially the hangar bay, but it's redressed. Oh, yes, that makes sense. Which I really liked about this episode. Like, this is what Leviathans are supposed to look like. They're built for a lot of people. Right, yeah. supposed to be busy. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah and have all these spaces. Moya like- is a weird exception that it's only like six people living on there. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, yeah. Oh, okay, so yes, they are in the marketplace, and they suddenly the, spot a grazer and Bracca. Yeah, with just four fuck. commandos. Yes, out of nowhere, just a complete, total coincidence. Yes, and immediately they get down. Oh, fuck. sorry, Frel, Frel, Frel. You're editing this episode, so I'm sorry for I know, that. Right. Uh, <laughs> It'll just be beep, 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 Frel, Frel, Frel. <laughs> I really love how how businesslike Aaron and and Sikosu are because yes Sikosu has some experience she's not military herself no. but she grew up under Scarron rule and she's made her way through the universe and they communicate well they talk okay these are the options we can either do this or we can do that yeah because they definitely have to stay undetected but they can do that by hiding or by spying or by spying. Buying, and yes. then they'll gain some more knowledge or leverage. Information trying to find out what's going on. Very rare opportunity. There's a little bit of talk as well about what could motivate them, although that comes up later even more. That's, I mean, my first thought was like, hang on, peacekeepers aren't supposed to be in tormented space. And then I went like, uh, oh, yeah. hang on, it's Grazer, so she's probably high enough in command to be able to grant exemption for that. But as it turns out later that, as well, oh, Aaron, yeah. Aaron surmises that she is probably not operating under her it, guidelines that she's supposed to. Yes, because she's, I think Sikosu like, confirms that, hey, there's no Scarron proconsul here. This is not an official meeting for right. either of this them. Doesn't look, yeah, this doesn't look like it's a uh, uh, nicely it's set up in, books, uh, exactly. in Sharm al-Sheikh or whatever the tormented space equivalent of that is. <laughs> you know, it actually makes me realize this is the meeting that Greza came to tormented space for. Yes. So her bumping into Moya and boarding Moya was just a coincidence. Okay. Yeah. Right? While we happened to be here, they weren't traveling into Tormented Space to pursue Moya. They were traveling there for this meeting. Yes. Good point. Meanwhile, Chiana is chasing the two Twiddledee and Twiddledum. Uh <laughs> Uh, okay, yes, walking, walking around through the marketplace. They notice that they're being tailed. And then I don't 
get this scene. There's something, ah. a few weird things happen here, and I'm not sure what happens. So the first, the Barker dude stops around the corner. Yeah, they, they both sort of put their backs up against yes. the wall as Chiana's coming towards them. And as Chiana moves around the corner, then there is someone else standing there. So I'm at this point, I'm thinking, yeah, you're shadowing guys who, who specialize in stealth technology. Yeah. He just put on a cloaking device, and that's the dude that she just wanders past. But then something weird happens. Then she runs into this green skinned woman turns around and is suddenly talking to the lady standing at the counter of so, the massage parlor I, I, I don't understand what happens I, I, I can see that like the two dudes probably transformed into the golden skinned dude and the green haired telephone wire for a dreadlocks girl oh, wow but yes that's probably it uh, but then using yeah. transformation kits that right. they have recently or previously bought yeah. from the parlor yeah, I get that. Right here. And I think that that was their strategy, because Chiana goes up to the madam of the parlor. Everyone who works there looks like fembots. They have yes. ridiculously expansive eyelashes. White hair. Exactly, and a bump Very cut. peculiar lip makeup, where the, like, like almost like a geisha, where only like the center the part center of the lip sort is. of heart portion. Yes. So really sort of expressive. As we find out, this is a parlor that offers... Services. Expensive. Services. And Shanna just puts down some money. Well, I don't mind expensive services. As long as they're worth paying for. She yeah. doesn't even know, I know right? what the services are. But so on the, on the surface, the surface surface. It's a massage parlor. A very skilled massage parlor. Yep. With detailed files on different species, anatomy. But what they also offer is disguise kits, essentially, mm. like genetic reprogramming. But when you buy one of those, you also buy discretion. Yes. So I think that's what Tweedledee and Tweedledum were doing. Right. Like they went around this corner. There's loads of people here. This is an area where the only witnesses are these people who run this parlor, right. who know that they're customers. So they did their transformation, knowing that the that uh, the customers uh, these the, the, witnesses will uh, yes. And she just happens to like get involved with this group. And there's like there's a, a massage scene which is. Strangely erotic. <laughs> yeah, oh, there's, there's no limits to the, the eroticism here because, I mean, Chiana didn't even notice, but the, the masseur, masseuse... Like, Changes shape several times, yes. Yeah, whenever whenever Chiana like, makes a request, oh, more pressure here or whatever, then she just sort of pushes some buttons and transforms her body into... Uh, First, like a East German shot put lady uh, style masseuse. A muscular woman <laughs> with a bald head. I would describe her from my personal life experience as a pool cue lesbian. Fair. Right? I mean, yeah. The kind of women who patrol our pride parades and uh, <laughs> keep our streets safe. And then when she goes like many of even harder, then she uh, turns into a, a uh, dark-skinned man. A big bruiser, yeah. but still wearing the same type of outfit, essentially. And the same. Although the, the, that man doesn't have the super long nails, but... No, that was super creepy because in, in, in the form of black-skinned man, she presses on Chiana's spine and paralyzes her. Yes, because apparently Nabari can be paralyzed by pinching a particular nerve in their back. Permanently? Eh, well, depends. <laughs> depends on how, how long and how hard I keep pushing. And when she transforms back, like she's got her long thumbnail like jammed in between those. Yes. <laughs> well, which like is very upsetting. With eyelashes, which are at least like five to ten centimeters long. I know, they curl all the way around into her like her ear <laughs> yes. holes. Oh. Until Chiana mentions Rekka. Yes. And then the finger is withdrawn, like, oh, oh, you're a, you're a customer. Okay, yeah. And then the masseuse explains, well, our customers also buy discretion, so 
you're not getting information here. No. And Chiana kind of respects that. I, yes. I sort of imagine that they then finish the massage that she paid for. You would think so. Yeah, we're going to come back to that in a second. But first, there is a little bit more... Oh, yeah, there's a meet-up between Greza and the Scarron. The Scarrons yeah. arrive, basically, essentially. Yes. Also surprising. So we see a, I guess, a royal-type Scarron. It's a female-presenting, long hairdress. Yeah. Do you know who plays her? Uh, Ben Browder's wife? Yes! Yes! (laughs) Yes! Awesome! Well done, Kay! Yeah, that's Francesca Buller coming back for her fourth role on Farscape. (laughs) Yeah. And she and Lou Elsie, the the costume designer who is also married to Dave Elsie, the creature designer, Mm -hmm. had a great time working out this character because she's powerful. Fran took her inspiration from Kate Blanchett in the film Elizabeth. And perhaps more accessibly, mm. the Borg Queen from Star Trek. Right, Contact. that's that's where I. That, right? that's much more of a uh, with uh, that same kind of vile sensuality. Right, but uh, which actually Grey's also kind of has. Yeah, it's like that's it's two very similar characters playing off against each other, which is like, oh yeah, which I only n- realized now that I'm saying it, which they pulled off really well. They had such a great time rehearsing together because they did their sort of costume and makeup tests and then very quickly did a rehearsal for the camera crew to practice their right. eye lines as well. And like they had a really great time together. And then they completely blanked each other after they got out of makeup because they just didn't recognize each other. Until <laughs> <laughs> right. so they got back on set. Oh, wow. Oh, you, it's you. Damn, I thought you were one of the extras. <laughs> Now, this whole outfit, like, she's got a corset on to change her figure. Lou Elsie took Fran to the Sydney House of Fetish. Oh, just, like, pick whatever you want. Yeah, get some, well, try on some thigh-high boots with, like, five-inch platforms and an extra two-inch stiletto heels. Right. And the headdress is, like, it's almost like Maleficent Neville's of... It's like almost like horns with a, a hat I around know. it. It's like, like, is her head so large, back-swept, that she's... Or I mean, is it maybe, just Maybe hat? that's how female Scarons work. Male Scarons have the forward-swept head and... Oh, not all. We've seen Axicor right, who disguise right. themselves. Yes, so it's the brain scarron, as uh, right. Dave Elsie calls Ooh, them. Yeah. Oh, it's a little bit like the brain brain bugs from. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No uh, kidding. What's the name? Starship Troopers. Troopers. Yes, thank you. So yeah, like even the producers, like they looked at the hat and said, "Well, how how would you look without it?" And Dave Elsie said, "Shorter." Oh no, we're not doing that. Okay, so yes, they are being spied upon by... Sikosa, who has these and Aaron, yes. Awesome, it's, really twitchy monocular. Uh, it, it's like, it's not just like a Leica camera, which has been spruced up a little bit by the props department. Oh! It kind of looks like an the old... The lens is really, It looks yeah. like a bit of a, like a, an old-style fashion film camera, which has been, like, mauled by the props department yeah. and turned into... <laughs> Maybe they took one of the Russian knockoffs. Something like that. Isn't, isn't Leica Russian? No, no, no. Leica is German, oh, okay. uh, famously, or perhaps, ooh, am I betraying myself, Swiss or Austrian, certainly in the Germanosphere. Mm-hmm. But those designs were, were famously co-opted by uh, manufacturers right. in the USSR. Which, interestingly enough, after the fall of the Iron Curtain, some unscrupulous entrepreneurs from, from Russia started yeah. sort of trading in rare Leica models. They started appearing at, like, trade shows and auctions, like extremely rare, unknown Leica models. Like okay. A, a special gold-plated 1936 Berlin Olympic version of the Leica with, like, swastikas in it. Okay. These were those knockoffs. These were the, the F-something knockoffs that in, in Russia are a dime a dozen. There are crates yeah. and crates and crates of them. And you just take one and you spruce it up. You essentially do a little cosplay. Yeah. And then you try and sell it to Europeans. 
Wow, it's like, oh, yeah, this is an East German version. That, uh, yep, yeah. worked for a few years, and then people got wise to, hang on, wait, hang on. We're hang being, on. We're being shenag- is- shenaggled here. <laughs> shenaggled, I like that one. <laughs> um, I love, okay, as a, from a cinematic point of view and from a, from a sort of a metatextual point of view, what we have here is two powerful women conversing with one another, like doing diplomacy, doing war, while they're being spied on by two women of action. Yes. Which is like... Like erasing fifty years of failing various Bechdel tests. Yes, to really just sort of emphasize this is female agency in in so many ways, uh, and on, interacting with one another. And on the other hand, we have the two women from the disguise shop who look like they either escaped from Are You Being Served or <laughs> any other British sitcom. It's like <laughs> yeah. they really act. They really act like like yeah, characters on a uh, British. Uh, uh, I, yeah, Are You Being Served is a very good one. Or yes. upstairs, downstairs. But that is also their act. Yes, right? of course. That's how they but, exercise well, are power. You, are you free, Mr. Humphreys? Yes. <laughs> no. Uh, I'm not expensive, but I wouldn't say I'm free. Yeah. Oh, now you're missing your... <laughs> I know it's like, I'm, I'm not free, but I'm available. Oh, yes. That's, <laughs> that's, total, that's total recall. <laughs> okay, so the discussion that they're having is a negotiation for an armistice peace treaty right yes uh, between the Scaran empire and the, and the peacekeeper whatever and their name is Greza is willing to sacrifice the luxons yeah in exchange for undefined well there's a little bit of negotiation about that later on but like in, yeah. in negotiation in negotiation for the contested parts of the uncharted territories everywhere beyond the Kelec nebula Hardly an equitable exchange. More than equitable. The Luxon worlds are wealthy. Yes, they will basically retreat from their NATO treaty. Article 5 in NATO is like an attack Uh, on one, is an attack on all that they have with the Luxons. The mutual defense. Yeah, and allow the Scarans to overrun the Luxons. And what's her name, Scaran Queen? Oh, that is War Minister Akna, A-K-H-N-A. A-K-Akna, all right. She's a little bit suspicious. It's like, mm. why would you do this? It's like, this doesn't seem like a good trait for you. Uh, since Luxem- you've signed a, a mutual defense treaty, right. which uh, Grazer says, well, High Command regrets it already. They're warriors, not diplomats. Yeah. Which is weird. An organization calling themselves the peacekeepers, you know, which... Well, and you know, there's, like, there's also the Democratic People's Republic of Korea, which yes, is and the, and the Koreans, barely one of those things. And the Koreans Democratic Republic, uh, People's and the, Republic. And, uh, <laughs> the Korean People's Front, yes. <laughs> Seditionists. And then there's also like the Japanese raccoon dog, which is one of those three things in that it is indeed ja- in Japan. Japanese, yes. <laughs> but as they're testing each other, they're being watched by Sikozu and Eren and... Heron keeps bugging Sokozu to, like, convey well, what, yes, what she's Yes, give me the thing, because apparently her little monocle camera thing also transfers sound, which is really useful, so she can listen in, but apparently doesn't allow Aaron to hear this, or maybe Sokozu's a really good lip reader. Uh, well, they're they're also very good at, like, hiding, because this this place, this area, has yes. been checked out by four peacekeepers, and four, four peacekeeper soldiers and Scaran soldiers, mm-hmm. and they're still able to drop some eaves because... Oh, that's because t- they're hiding in the eaves. Do you, uh, yes, very good. The eaves of, do you recognize this location? Oh, no, I did not. It's the pilot's den. Oh. Uh-huh. 
Yeah. Yeah, I see. I can see that now, yeah. Right? You see the, the sort of console. Yes. It looks weird without, obviously, the glorious presence of Pilot. Yes. And, no, uh, I get that. Uh, like, that's where they're lights. standing, and they're like, Skozu and Eren are roughly in the area above the door, I suppose. Yeah. Eren has used that angle before in the way we weren't, when Pilot became understandably angry at her for her role in the killing of the previous pilot. Mm-hmm. She and Crichton used that sort of angled angle to infiltrate the pilot's den. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So because they're so familiar with uh, Leviathan Yeah, Land. I guess they're, they're very, really good at sneaking about. Yes, very good. Yep. So I love how Granny and Chiana are... Uh, basically, Granny gets sent out to go chase Chiana after, yes. after they notice that Graze and Braca are on board. Yeah, that's when she's, like, really worried right. and, and on board and, like, okay, keep it keep it cool. Yes, I'll and keep it cool. Yeah, it takes her a little while to go find Chiana, but she eventually stumbles into the area with the, of, of the massage parlor. She's just asking everyone... I'm looking for Nabal. Another one. Ah, there she is. So here's me. (laughs) And they go like, oh, well, they sell disguises here, genetic disguises even. And they both get a fantastic outfit. Yes. Oh, my God. These these glow-ups are amazing. So Chana has this... goes blue instead of grey with this red hair. She goes a little bit, I would almost say, Delvian. You know, the oh, I see what you mean. That there's more of a there's more of a fish quality about her. She, oh, she, I wouldn't I wouldn't call it that, but yeah, yeah. She reminded me more of like the Pathfinders because it's a it's a blue okay. green cyan kind of thing, and yeah. then the bright orange hair. And Granny goes almost more Sebastian, like well, it's half Ferengi, half Sebastian, really. Well, she's got her same ears. Is that her regular ears? Well, they're less wrinkly, but uh, okay. she's a Traskan. They have very large ears okay. compared to uh, uh, most well, 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 in that case, basically, she gets de-wrinkled in a wig. She is so unhappy about it. Oh, is I she? Ha- yes, yes. I have no wisdom creases. I have no memory lines. Oh. I earned those. Yeah. Oh, I missed that line. Yeah, That's... and she's missing her third eye. Like, even when they're talking yeah, about... Yeah, I know that. Like, knows that what... yeah. <laughs> okay, we need a species to turn you into. Maybe, maybe. Lumis. Yeah, 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 yeah. Eyes? But she is is just quite loving it. Gigi also loved it. They they workshop this disguise quite a bit. Because in the original design she had like green lenses because Dave LC she he loves putting people in lenses. Yes. That's why I was also really happy with Fran Buller coming back because he knows that she can handle lenses. So ooh, uh. I get to pull lenses in her eyes. <laughs> and she had like longer hair and then nobody recognized her. Mm. And thought, okay, so we've gone too far. Got to pull it back a little bit. Yes. Because we have to still know that it's Chi. Which is good that they get their disguises on because Brakha is on the warpath. I don't, I don't know. Why, why did he get sent out? Did they... Oh, someone reported that there was a Nabari about whose description matches. Matched. We have word of a Nabari female somewhere in the settlement. Description matches the escapee Chiana. Stay here. I'll check it out. Chiana. Right. That was it. One of the commandos came in to tell mm-hmm. them that. Yeah. So that he go out looking. For some reason... He's asking everybody, but Granny and Chiana get the extra inquisitive treatment. I suppose it's because they're being kind of like they're blanking him at first. Yeah. They, they kind of like try to not engage, which makes Braca suspicious. And he just like straight up grabs them and like subjects them to a genetic test. I love Chiana's voice here because she's doing, she's doing a voice. Yes. She's going a little huskier. She's going a little... Maybe a little bit more transatlantic. Okay. And um, um, yes, there's this complaining like, oh, no, I'm not interested. Well, then try Surratt's level three. Any kind of female you could care for. 
I don't and, even like men, she says, yes. because she's with Noranti. And they have a little L out. Yes, they have a little gay off, and they're and they're properly into each other, which I I love that is sort of resolved at the end when they're still sort of cuddling and close together, and Naranti goes, oh, I think we did uh, quite well, and instead of doing the sort of, you know, in an earlier season they might have finished this with a joke and like uh, 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 spitting the taste out of each other's yeah. mouth, but. No, she Chiana gives her a little ear nibble. Yes. Like, yeah. If we if we had a bit more time, who knows? <laughs> I also uh, like the bit where uh, Braca is asking them, Have you seen an Abari? What's an Abari? A grey girl. Oh, is she good looking? And Braca goes, nah. We only ever notice the good looking ones. <laughs> yeah, but I love that Braca goes, well, I, I don't know. Yes. Sort of, probably. He's, he's too, I think he's not into girls. Either that or he's, he's too pure of the Sebastian blood. He's like one of the ones who's like super mm. against the Sebastians being like the interbreeding sluts of the galaxy here. Yeah, he did snog Scorpius though, so... He did. Ooh. Apparently Good he point. does. I mean, that was, maybe that was just like an Italian or a Russian kiss, you know, like a mafia kiss. But no, yeah. no, never mind. No, I'm not. No, even, you... I'm not. I'm not buying that. Even, for, well, uh, even I'm not buying that. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been a snog if the makeup wasn't in the way. There's that. Although that doesn't seem to stop Gianna. Oh yeah, I, I love this whole scene. This is such a great look for for Naranti, and they get to be sort of competent together. Yeah. Uh, but yes, enough to get Braca out of the way. Do you think he's? Scorpius told him to stall, Grazer. Mm-hmm. He doesn't seem to be doing anything to slow her down or... And there's only so much you can do when you're at a uh, conference with the enemy. Oh, wait. He, yeah, hold on. He gets that report and then he says, I'll go check it out. He leaves her alone. Yeah, I suppose that's a good point. Because both parties have the same composition. You have one leader, one yes. adjutant and four warriors. Yes. In the form of Grazer, Braca, and then four SSDs, I think Special Services Division, something I like that. I think that's what it sounded like, yes. And so you've got Akna and her adjutant, Penok, and then four Charids as soldiers. Uh-huh. So the same composition. So he's actually leaving Grazer. So Charids a- are not Scarens. They're, diff- they're the different guys, right? Correct. Yeah. They're the ones that attacked so uh, uh, Rigel's people. Rather than bringing four Scarens, because that seems like it would be... Equitable, they don't. They they bring four chariots. Although four scarrets would probably outweigh four the special service guys. So yes, I guess they would. They agreed to have more or less equally matched. Yeah, because I think the chariots are described as sort of the grunts of the Scarron military. Oh, okay. That yeah, probably the the the, the, the foreign horse-faced Scarrons yeah. themselves are more. I don't know. Elite. I guess. Yeah. So, this is where they start knocking people out already. Have they already signed the treaty at this point? Yes, because now that Eren understands what's happening here, she discusses with Sokozu, hey, this is kind of disastrous for, for everyone, mm. and maybe we should do something about this. And, of course, Eren, she doesn't mention it, but she has just spent her summer holidays as an assassin. Yes. And this is an opportunity, and Sokozu rightly says, well, hey, we can't risk ourselves like this. Do you have a plan for getting out? Yeah, run. Okay, do you have a more detailed plan? Run quickly. <laughs> <laughs> oh. um, 
But she she also says to Sokoza, which I thought was really good, hey, do you want to talk, do you want to have a conversation with Darko and explain to him why his planets were obliterated? Oh, yes, very good point. Yeah. I, I did like when they, after they have this tablet, which apparently holds the text of the treaty that they just agreed upon. Uh-huh. And then they do this, like, this, this signing thing where they bring mm. out these little lighted, the best thing I can uh, compare it to is chop. Chop? That's what they're called. It's like those little name stamps that are used both in China and in uh, Japan. Oh, they're like... Called, uh, they're called something else in Japan, but I think the the, the, Japan, the, the Chinese name is a chop. Oh, uh, equivalent to like a signet ring in uh, right. feudal yes, Europe. Right, exactly. That, it's, a little, it's, it's a little stamp that you get, and this, I guess this looks like a bit of a digital... Uh, yeah, probably. ...variant upon that. Which is the, the prop department undoubtedly had a ball with uh, <laughs> making. But betrayal is around the corner. In the face of Sagoza dropping down from the ceiling, isn't it? Oh, there's, there's actually a bit of confused shooting going around. Yes, because it starts with, like, Erin is hiding out. Yes. And she's trying to get a shot on Grazer with the idea yeah, that... She's, yeah, she's brought her gun out and... Uh, but she can't get a clear shot. No. Like a good assassin, even though everybody else there is someone that she probably doesn't mind shooting in the head. No. But the important thing is getting Grazer. Yeah. It's like collateral damage is acceptable unless it gets in the way of the actual target. Exactly. But before she's able to get a clear shot, Grazer commands her adjutant, Pennock to basically backstab their counterparts. Yes. Shoot all the peacekeepers. Bracca has the good luck that he's not, that he's not present. And now Greza is their prisoner. Yes. But Sikozu comes dropping down on the one last remaining? I guess that's the guy, the adjutant, who went... No. It must have been one of the commandos who went with Raka. I like, need to catch up on my jeeves. Let me just... About, uh, like, halfway through? About halfway through. At this through. point, like, it looks like Greza's already been captured. It's a, bit, a little bit hard to tell what's going on. Because I, I lost the plot at this point, I'll, I'll honestly admit. I could not quite follow what was going on here. Okay, I see where the, the, the confusion is. I think in the episode itself, it's really a lot clearer, but a bunch of things sort of happen off screen. The thing that happens off screen, which is the most important, is that Bracca and Greza are captured. Yeah. And Greza is put in this weird sort of organic looking pod thing. And it's there, after Akna has left, that Eren and Sokozu attack the two chariots that are guarding them, with the intention still to kill Greza. But Greza says, hey, I'm more valuable alive. Alive, I can repudiate that treaty. Stuff happens fast now. Right. Don't, I don't think we have to follow it beat by beat. Because the, the episode itself is very tight. I thought it was really well it done. It felt really long. Right. While watching it, you're sitting there like, like, why is this not over yet? It's like, oh yeah, are we not out of the hour yet? That's, it's yeah. really talky too. Oh, absolutely. But a, a lot of it is like exposition and information and sort of repeating and rehashing it for uh, so that everybody can explain it to each other and we can understand, which I think is really, really great. Honestly, it was a bit surprising for the actors that, oh, we didn't realize we had to do so much exposition, which is you know, mm, yeah. tough to do. Round Woods did a great job. Oh, the writer was Carlton Eastlake, who previously did the uh, Infinite Possibilities Oh, yes, yeah. So he'd written for the Charids before. He'd written for the Scarrans before. He was a, he was a very good choice. We see Greza trapped in a weirdly, I'm going to say... Vaginal. I wasn't going to say vaginal. <laughs> I was going to say sort of mollusk Does that word bother you? <laughs> no, but thank you for the uh, Big Lebowski reference there. And the, and the always fantastic Uma Thurman. No, it, it looks sort of like a, like a mollusk. Or I see a, what you mean. Like Which the, has also the been prepared to... Oh, wow. Yeah. 
Hmm. Okay. Anyway, whereas Bracca is just sort of strung up with his uh, his arms cuffed around over a heating a pipe, heating yes, pipe, and then he gets heat blasted by Penog uh, several times. And Grazer says, "Hey, kidnapping a commandant is an act of war." And and Akna goes, oh, ha, 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 "Don't worry about it. Yes, uh, you well, won't be missed. Yeah, we'll kill you. Don't worry. It's not going to be a kidnapping. Uh, no, no, no. It is going to be kidnapping because this was their strategy. Yeah. That is a duplicating device right. to create, as we as we discover later, a yes. bioloid. Mm. So they want to send a bioloid of Grazer back to uh, a peacekeeper so that they can keep her and have a nice long chat about where Yes. Because they have their their facilities on. Did you listen? Yes. Oh, the name of the planet? Yeah. I have no idea. Okay. But there was a there was a planet that was named, it was called Katrazzi. Right. Our facilities there are much, much better. So we'll take mm. you there and we'll put you in a comfy chair. Yes. She takes a shot at the Scarron dude with her uh, sniper rifle, presumably. Doesn't do much. Oh, Aaron, you mean? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So after they, let me see, there's a bunch of rescuing going on. Rescuing of Norenti and Chiana, and Kozu is there as well. So hang on, let me get this straight, because now we're going to jump ahead a little. Yeah, we are. Because Aaron shoots the Scarron. And okay, look, there are several rescues that have to happen. First right. of all is the is Stikozu and Aaron rescue Grazer and Bracca. Yes, that I got. Okay. First, intending to kill Grazer, so they kill the two chariot guards that Akna left yeah. behind. But then... Grazer convinces them that, no, I'm more useful to you alive because now I can still recant this treaty. Yes. Oh, well, how should I believe that you recant this treaty? And if the Scarons had not betrayed me, I'd have stood by it. So therefore now and so I don't feel, feel held by it, yes. We are not enemies, she's saying, which is, which is fairly true. Yeah. So now Kozu and Eren have Braca and Grazer cuffed together hand to hand. Right. And they meet up with Chiana and Naranti. Mm-hmm. They take out some more chariots, some more peacekeepers along the way, and then they get a- attacked by a Scarron, who is not so easy to take down. And right, Aaron that's, that's why Aaron's shooting at him and exactly. tries to like, take him down. Yes. And she says to, uh, to Skozu, you get Grazer, Bracker, and Naranti, and Chi, and Chi back to the, the module, and I'll see you in right. half an hour, so, otherwise and, leave. And I guess that's where, the, where she gets cloned and swapped around. Yeah. Yeah, okay, because I was trying to piece together when that happened, but that's I forgot that she sends them off and she yes, holds exactly. the stand, and that's when, yes. Okay. Uh, and then we follow Sikosa, who actually does a really good job. Oh, yeah, with, she, uh, hurts, she hurts them fine. She's got the big old uh, sniper rifle. They run into... No, they don't. Uh, Chiana and Noranti, yeah. Well, Chiana first has to deal with the, the thing we talked about with the Twiddledee and Twiddledum earlier, where they don't think it's her, so they are. Oh yes, they, they try try to attack her and capture her in the module. Uh, yeah, and they tie her up until she she tries to convince them. Look, it is me. I did yeah. one of those gene things, and then Han Solo sort of leans in, kisses her. I think she kisses him. He gives oh. her the the opportunity, which I, I sort of paid attention to because you know staunch staunch Hollywood feminist. But she sort of licks his lips and he goes, "It's her." Are you sure? They didn't transform her tongue. <laughs> uh, they, <Which> really- <laughs> it's such a weird like they leave her tied up take her money but they do leave her the device that she bought like yeah. 
services paid for, services rendered. No, absolutely. Right, as things go in, in, in tormented space, it's, it's not bad. No, it seems a lot better than the Uncharted they, territory, yeah, isn't they've, it? Yeah. They've done a lot worse deals before. I know, right? <laughs> but uh, yeah, they leave. We end on a, on a cliffhanger before the commercial break where finally everybody, oh yes, Grazer and Braca obviously escapes. Yes. But three of the girls are back in the module and waiting for Aaron and Sikosa says, well, if... If she's not here in half an hour, or if the Scarons find us first, we're leaving. Yep. <gasps> Fade to black. And then in proper Farscape tradition, you come back from a commercial and... and goes to the crew on Moya. Resolved itself. Well, no, it's, it's even resolved itself because Erin just runs in. She's coming. Oh, thank Junior. You all right? Yes. I'm fine. Okay. Sit down and hold on. Yeah, oh, yeah. fine. Okay, good. I was worried. They uh, blast off and go and catch up with Moya, where the boys are still eh, mildly bickering. Have we signaled Rigel's distress? They notice that the module is being chased by a Scarron ship. So immediately they go to Starburst. Yes, we get to see Moya Starburst again for the first in a while. This is cute little... It has been a while, hasn't it? It has been, yes. Remember the last time she Starburst, we also said, it has been a while since we saw her Starburst. Yeah. (laughs) And they even like they don't even seem to have much of a problem during Starburst. Like it just not anymore. Of, no, it used to be a thing where Rigel goes like, "I hate Starburst." And yeah, and you had the great screensaver on the on the front portal, and I've, I guess they found their their sea legs, their Starburst legs. It makes sense. It's a little exchange between Dargo and Chana, who seem to be almost have this atmosphere of rekindling their previous relationship until Dargo basically goes, "I preferred the grey." Well, I think that was a compliment. Uh, yeah, no, I did. Uh, but for, right. for instance, yeah. You ask him, oh, do you think it's an improvement? No, I preferred the elegant grey. Right, yes, because her scent changed, I think. That's mm-hmm. because of the... Uh, and she looks really fed up with him at this point, actually. But uh, And Rigel's bothering Naranti. I'll reimburse you double if you can cook for me. I may never cook again. Naranti, please. <laughs> <laughs> but they come out of Starburst, and the Scarons are still on them. yes. Because apparently the Scarons, whatever FTL uh, stuff the Scarons have is just as good as Starbursting. Because they don't get a lot of time. Well, actually, we don't know how much time spent. Well, it is described when they're at, yes, when they're still on the, the sort of commerce leviathan. Aaron and Sukozu hear the sound of a spacecraft flying yes, overhead. Yes, a double goes, oh, that's a sonic, interesting sonic. Yes, yes. exactly, two well, wings. But that's right at the beginning when it's... And then identify it as a Scaron striker, the fastest ship in their fleet. Right. So if any ship can, can catch up. Although, no, that's, it is the Dreadnought. That's that, the Dreadnought, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that comes up and like, look at us, a bunch of little Star Trek geeks Ooh, yes. keeping track of all, this, all the ships that there are. But so they conclude that there must be a beacon on board and it's not in the, in the sensor module. Nope. Chiana goes, okay, I, I haven't found anything in the in the module, but I'm still looking. The DRDs confirm that everybody is who they claim to be, yeah, and that there's, there's no nobody has any sensor modules on them as well. No signals coming from them. Yep. And then Naranti says, well, they're probably chasing us, not Moya and Pilot, so maybe we should just take ships and scatter. Yes. That would be safest for Moya. With John then turns to Aaron, like, does that seem right? She goes, yeah, well, that seems like the, the best idea, but what about the, you know... And she sort of blanks on him. Existence like, head wobbles at yes. him. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners at home, oh God, you were going to wish that this was a video <laughs> podcast because the sort of eye wobble that Kate just did is legendary. Yes. And then he finishes the word baby. What yeah. about the baby? And she goes, eh? Baby? Yeah. What the baby? 
And then it gets really weird. So this final scene yeah. was essentially reinvented by Ben Browder because as okay. it was written, he, he described that we never really solved the problem of how Crichton knows that Aaron isn't Aaron. Uh-huh. And so he just tried to make it into this really instinctual sort of gut right. instinct kind of thing because he asked her, where's the beacon? Where's the beacon? Where's the baby? Like, just really confusing, fucking with the programming. Yes. I guess it turns beacon out. Beacon baby. Th- For a brief moment there... That expression on Aaron's face led me to think that Lex is, oh, yeah, sorry, I had a miscarriage. But that was like, oh, no. <laughs> that oh, been, that's horrifying. That would have been, yes. But then I caught on to what was going on. It took me a moment to realize, oh, wow. to realize that like this, there's something, something funny was going on there. Something, something was wrong with Aaron? Yes. Oh, what a... Oh. <laughs> sorry, I've just blasted completely past that. Like, wh- at which point did you realize that something was up with Aaron? Or did you think that Crichton was going fucking nuts? After he was heat tortured or something. It took me surprisingly long to go on to side that, like, no, when he started doing his banter, like his, uh, whatchamacallit, when he started doing his auctioneer babble, you know, baby, baby. The the patter. That's the word I was looking for. Where's the beacon? Where's the baby? Where's the baby? Where's the beacon? Beacon, baby, beacon, baby. Then that's, at that point, I started like, apparently this is about Aaron. And that's he when pulled I started, his gun at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He just like draws her out and like takes uh, takes an aim at her and like, what's going on? And yes, basically when he, it takes a while for everybody to get on board and he straight up shoots her. Yeah. Because um, he, he also asked her to like say the word baby. Yeah. Which, which for some reason she doesn't. No, which, yeah. And then he asked her to spell it. Because and then he goes like the, the real alphabet Aaron no, speaks English. Yes, he goes into the alphabet song, and when that doesn't pick up with K L M N O P. I know, I know. He stopped at J, and I was like, "Oh, one more letter, and I'll have like the perfect like sound bite for K's voicemail." <laughs> <laughs> one day, uh, yes. shoots her in the head, and the effect is amazing. So it starts off with a uh, a sort of CGI edit of Claudia Black's face. Originally, the intention was to do this with several different effects. So yeah. uh, a makeup on on Claudia Black, and then a bit of that would be in green screen so they could blend in some CGI. Right, that's what I kind of figured that they'd done here. They just paint half her face green. And yeah, then... Claudia Black had a real bad reaction to the oh, prosthetic, yeah. and that was not okay. This seems, to, this seems to be a recurring thing here, like people having bad reactions to prosthetics. On... I don't think she'd had that kind of prosthetic before. So uh, there was an allergic reaction to one of the glues yeah. or dyes or whatever. And so instead of risking one of their main actors like having a swollen face for a few days, they asked Dave Elsie if overnight he could build an Aaron head, which he did. Okay. He just built a replica Aaron head. The makeup department came in to do the makeup and half of it was replaced with like bits of clockwork, lots and lots of tripe. Yeah, I was wondering what that was, but it looked a bit, yeah, yeah, oddly cellular. Yeah, there hollow. was mechanical bits and yeah. lots of tripe, and like the director kept coming back, like, "Have you got any more tripe?" Because it's <laughs> it's so gross and it looks great. The butchers were just like in a neighborhood, were just wondering what the frell is going on here. <laughs> Saved yourself some editing there. Well done. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> you know, I've tried tripe. I can never really get into it. I don't. I mean, I might have had it at dim sum, but I don't really. Well, that's lung, not tripe. Never mm. mind. Uh, it's, so, a, it's the kind of thing that would, like, in, in, it smells like something that I would really enjoy, but I can never get into the texture. Sort of like, like pig's yeah. ears as well. Yeah. Oh, pardon for any of our vegetarian <laughs> listeners who were upset by that. <laughs> but so now we've got a dead Aaron. Yes. And an incoming dreadnought. And they use the sensor cloaking device. 
They tell uh, Sikosa goes like, yes, make it look like a Scarron ore freighter and pilot flight like an Aaron, like a Scarron ore freighter, like pilots ever seen a Scarron ore freighter before and knows how to fly them. Well, so they describe it that Scorpius has patched it into the into the neural cluster yeah. and pilot goes, oh, yes, I, I sense that there are several right. options and he picks the one. So maybe there's also like an, a sort of instruction on how to fly. Okay, maybe, yeah. Right, because he suddenly experiences this fair, fair, incredible fair. multitasking yeah. capabilities. Sikosu speaks Scarron. Right. Why don't the mi- uh, translator microbes work on Scarron? Yeah. It, it has failed before, like previously when uh, mm. uh, when she and Scorpius spoke Scarron. But we have seen people speaking their native language in defiance of translators before. True, like when true. Uh, they started negotiating with the, uh, oh, what's it called? The, the giant robots, the sexy ones that I like. Oh, um, yes, those. And they yeah. were all talking their own languages. Yeah. But uh, it works. The deceit works. Sikozu manages to lo- use her linguistic talent to throw the Scarrens off the trail and the dreadnought. I mean, she grew up in Scarren territory. Like, right, it's probably yeah. a language that you learn in school. Yeah. A state language, even. So and she says that what she told them was, oh, yes, we are just an orphrator. We did see a leviathan, but they went that away. He went that away. <laughs> and I thanked them for scaring it away. Yeah. Mm. And now we get to deal with where's Aaron? Yeah, well, clearly still back on the planet or maybe on board the Dreadnought. We don't know. Right. Yeah, because it turns out that that Scarron probably won that fight. Yeah. Uh, so now they have the Scarron, well, the, the Scarron Aaron. Uh, Scarron Aaron. Scarron. Ooh, that's going to be, that's a tricky portmanteau, but yeah. let's see if you can pull it off. It's been taken care of, but yes, we have lost the real Aaron. Yep. And so it's unclear whether see. there's a bioloid version of Greza being sent back to Peacekeeper Command, but she and Bracca escaped, so they'd probably make probably their way not. back. Yeah, because oh. Bracca would have seen that. And they have a command carrier in orbit. Yes. So that's an interesting outcome. I love that we finished with, with Dargo and Crichton, because Crichton's just sitting with this bioloid corpse on the command. That, yeah. Nobody's bothered to pick up yet. It's like, get it's some DRDs on it. Job. Yeah, exactly. Get, yeah, just get some DRDs to, to haul it off. And Who it. normally clears off the corpses from the floors? I'd say the DRDs. There's just these little guys. There's a lot of they them. Don't do, yeah, but they don't do... Oh, yeah, that's yeah. true. <laughs> and they do have sort of the little sort of circular lights, like they've right. got mops on the underside. Yeah, exactly. Like it's like... Base uh, Roombas. That's the one. <laughs> <laughs> Mo. So. Mo. 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 Oh, you know, from... Oh, Wally... Oh, right, yes. cleaning bot. Right, yes, the neurotic cleaner. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, this will not do. Absolutely not, Kurt. (laughs) So, Ryden says completely silent. Yes. uh, And Dargo says, But we're not going to let her go. I give you my word. Which I loved. She gives me a word. Oh, yeah, she does. (laughs) She gives you a word. Oh, yeah, she does. There was a lot of that going on in this episode. (laughs) Oh, my. Ah, what got my willy? Oh, I guess it would have to be the... Uh, ooh, that's a good question. What did get my will? It wasn't, it wasn't very willerific. No, There's absolutely not. Nothing like to, to me, this on. is... Yeah. In every respect, a totally flawless episode. Because even like the sleazy business guys... They were great, yeah. Were business guys. Like yeah, that was their, their had, act. That was just their modus operandi. Yep, the hyper-sexualized sort of fembot women. I like that those. Was, that was definitely yes. willy material. I... W- Willy? No, sorry, Woody material. Yeah, sorry, no, Woody's my bad. the good one. My bad, yeah. I totally loved them. And it was also their act. And it was examining, like, female agency 
in a way that even like Farscape, which was progressive for its time, has never done to this degree. Right. Well, there was a bit of gender bending going on there as well. You know, also some of those that, models yeah. were definitely that. I really loved the, the different makeup on Ranty and on Chana. That uh, was yes. definitely woody material as well. Oh, I like their haircut. Yeah. Durante's, like, she's got sort of the Italian boy haircut with the side and, parting. But, but, and, and, like, I guess that segues into my real Woody, oh. which is the fact that everybody was doing some variety of David Bowie cosplay. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yes, they were the Ziggy's stardust. I know, right? That's- <laughs> Everyone was Ziggy stardusting. Oh, my God, that's amazing. Yeah, let's have a... An, an, an AI-enhanced version of this where all the roles are played by uh, Tilda Swinton. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> well, she is David David fair, Bowie fair, reincarnated, essentially. Fair, fair, but fair. <laughs> they used to be... Oh, I read an interview where she talked about as a young woman who, who with androgynous or non-traditionally feminine features, like yeah. she sort of struggled with her identity. And then she she saw, I think it was a Ziggy Stardust uh-huh. LP in the yeah. musical. She didn't have a music player or an oh. LP player. She didn't hear the album until years later, but she bought that just for the image. Oh, wow. That yeah. really sort of empowered and captivated her. So when she became an actress of, of some note, like she she reached out to, to thank David Bowie. They became fast friends to the point that they wore matching outfits to parties right, when, yes. they, when they Mess- spent- Dressing up as each other. And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, fantastic. But yeah, I totally get you. I I I struggle to find a, a Woody, except for just the, the, this is not me being a, a performative ally to to women, right? This is not me being oh a masculine feminist. I like I I'm I'm really interested in narratology in in Hollywood. I'm quite aware of representation over mm-hmm. the various in a very limited degree, and just but just like the multifaceted examinations of female agency was fantastic. It was so much. It was. Uh, I, I would love to read a proper feminist treatise oh, on this, on this uh, episode. This episode. Well, a good episode it was, and more exciting setup has been made for the rest of this season. Yeah. We have five episodes left. Uh-huh. Six. Is that? 17 to 22, so that's six episodes, I think. Yeah. Yes. No, Getting that's five. There. 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. Yeah, six. Yeah, very yeah. good. Okay, sorry, I had to count that out <laughs> on my fingers. <laughs> Math is not it's really... It's the best way. <laughs> okay. Yeah, this is this is another willyless episode. There's just there's just nothing. Even even all the tripe. True. Right? And uh, uh, and that whole face just sort no, of looks great. No, that was just... That, that was really good. Well done. Biobot type thing. It, like, it looked amazing. Yep. So here we are, season four. And... and, and for, for some people, it's not their favorite. Okay. And even in my rewatch, I've noticed some ups and downs, but this is just fantastic. Okay, so the the pacing felt really weird of this episode. Because uh, there's so much, I so know. many lines. Yeah, it's it, it just feels like things are going all, everywhere and nowhere and then everywhere again. And several times I was like sitting there going like, is this like a double length episode? It's like, this is an hour and a half. It felt like it was much longer than it actually was. As they would say in Russia, good value. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So, thank you for joining us for another episode. And that's the story so, so far. Farscape. Thank you for joining us for another episode of So Farscape. We will be back next week for another fan fiction. And the week after that was episode 417, mm-hmm. A Constellation of Doubt. Oh, lovely title. In which on Moya, as John wonders about the location of Katrazzi, the likely location Aronson is being held captive, he obsessively watches a television transmission that Moya has intercepted from Earth. It's a program documenting the aliens' recent visit and the recreation reactions of Earth people. 
Huh. That seems like weird to have. It must have traveled through a wormhole. Otherwise, there's no way that it could have. Who knows? Gotten this far this quick. Oh, yeah, that's that's amazing, isn't it? I really have to look at those synopses again. That because was I think clever, that was maybe. That was mm, a clever one. Yeah, I distinguish the clever ones. That Those are the ones that I usually pay attention to. I yes. wonder why I let that much information into the clever one. Oh, I'll well. figure it out in future. Oh, hey, speaking of titles, the title for this episode, or for this episode of Farscape, last bit of trivia before right. we leave. Bringing home the bacon. Bringing home the beacon was yes. a pun that was delivered by director Rowan Woods. Yeah. And so as was Farscape tradition... He took home the bottle of whiskey that you get when you name an episode. Oh, nice. Which is why that is the beverage of ah, choice for, for this today. recording. That's why I had <laughs> a sudden craving. Okay, very cool. I didn't know they had, the, they had a bounty on naming the episode. Turns out. What kind of whiskey was it? Do we know that? Oh, God. Well, we'll have to we'll have to sort of hunt down Rowan Woods and ask him. But in the meantime, thank you for joining us once again. You can find us at SoFarscape on Facebook and Twitter, where, oh, I will become more active, I promise, eventually. You can find the links to submit your own synopses. Join our Patreon, which we still super-duper appreciate. Thank you for the contributions that you have made, by the way. In, in keeping with our promise to only spend the Farscape, the Patreon budget on absolutely stupid stuff, that's what I used to... Uh, pay for the shipping and handling on this fantastic wow. gift that Greg yes. sent. Oh, we amazing. will be posting photos. Oh yes, of course. We're, that's photos. what I'll use Twitter for. There we go. We'll, we'll post some photos. We can also submit recommendations for fan fictions, which one of which we have coming up. And I think that's about it. In any case, we absolutely love you. I'm Kaki. I'm Kay. So, so far, escape so, so good. good.